Hi, this is Frank Menser. Whether you play Moldvay or My Edition or any other basic D&D, tune in next for Save or Die, Basic D&D. You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with gold jewels. And a red dragon, he starts to breathe. Save or die! The Save or Die Podcast, a podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. Bring on your goblin and band of oaks, hulking zombies and bulls, and oh no, 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 don't slow me down, oh no. Greetings, true believers. It's Save or Die number 93, the North Texas RPG Con wrap-up. Oh yeah. With Woo-hoo. you, as always, is voted... Best Tom Petty impersonator, DM Mike. Hi, and I'm Mike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and with me is voted best looking in a leather corset, even among the girls, is DM Liz. Hi, I'm Liz. Wow, boy, that's the truth, too. Also voted best to fall down during a convention two years <laughs> running, DM Glenn. Uh, shouty, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and voters and the fellow voted most likely to hand out radioactive dice <laughs> yeah but you really gotta bug him for him <laughs> we didn't he 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 had no problem radiating us right at the beginning <laughs> I, had to, I had to whine like a little baby to get mine well, apparently he wanted us to glow in the dark ah uh, yeah ah uh. Okay. Could see us coming that way, I guess. You know? And run. Yeah, I think you and Vince had hit the bar before you did that live cast because you're like your version is not matching with my version. You said, "Hey, how about one of those radioactive dies?" I'm like, "Do you want one?" Sure. And like later, I just quietly dropped one off in front of you. Oh, you did? Vince I, I stole was... it. Oh, did you not get one still? No, I got one. I got one. <laughs> I thought Vince Vince made us thief roll. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we had hoped that Bad Mike would be here with us for a recap, but he uh, unfortunately injured himself while packing stuff away from the con, so... Oh, dear. Yeah, but he sent me a list of things he wants to make sure everybody knows about, and we'll cover it later in the show. But first, we're going to talk about what we've done in gaming since the con. DM Jim. Oh, dude, I, you know how, like, if you're a hard drinker and you get up with a hangover and your answer is have another hair that bit the dog, have yeah. another one? I've gotten over my North Texas RPG con burn by gaming 12 solid hours yesterday on free RPG day. I didn't know I still had it in me to do that. Wow. Mm. That which does not kill you does make you stronger. It was awesome. I kept up with the youngsters. Uh, we played two uh, great DCC games. Uh, Nicole ran us through the uh, free RPG adventure for the this year, Elsmon and the Blood Drinking Box. 
<laughs> the blood drinking box. Oh, dude, it was ten kinds of awesome. Wizard sends us off to bring back a box and doesn't bother to tell. And and whatever we do, we have to keep what's in the box in the box until we get it back to him. But doesn't exactly explain all the details. We get there and it's this temple of people feeding, keeping whatever's in the box prisoner by feeding it a continuous stream of lawful blood. So guess well, the what? Box we ghost. So guess what we had to do the whole way back to the wizard? Yeah. I bleed into it for five points. It had to be lawful character and it had to be voluntary. Wow. Nice. So it was creepy and cool. And uh, Adam <laughs> Muscavitz. Oh, see. Never mind. <laughs> I just did this. I just had lessons on the correct pronunciation of Ypsilanti and Muscavitz. There it is. Okay. Adam. Jackways. Adam Muscavitz. Jackways. Who, uh, yeah, Jake Ways. You guys might not know. Uh, he's, uh, does a fanzine for DCC RPG called Metal Gods of Ur Haddad, and he lives up in Ypsilanti. He drove all the way down to Cincinnati just to run a free RPG day adventure for us. Wow. Cool. So that was like 18 kinds of awesome. And you would, <coughs> knowing you guys and your taste in games, you would have loved the game because it was all jungles and secret, you know, temples from some ancient race of horse-headed people, and there was an elder god or an alien Woo-hoo. or something down in the bottom that was kicking our ass on a regular basis with his monkeys. Monkeys! monkeys. So. Who doesn't love monkeys? I know, right? And uh, uh, I played a, the same cleric in both games, and I may or may not have been waving a 10th Doctor Sonic Wander, Sonic Screwdriver around as my holy symbol. <laughs> cool. Alrighty then. Glenn? I don't know how I can top that. <laughs> say that say that name again, Jim. No. no. Um, we had our, uh, the week later, we had our regular, our last Labyrinth Lord game. Uh, yeah, wrapped, that's that sucks. It does. We're, we wrapped up the thing about me getting the right hand of doom all black, and they fixed it and all that. And, uh, oh, boy, oh, boy. Then this coming Saturday, I get to run Mutant Future. And after that, we're diving headfirst into fifth. That's um, cool. I'm going reluctantly, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see where that leads us. So you have to report back and taco up the podcast with that stuff. I want to know uh, how it goes. I'm gonna and fill how, the, fill the podcast with something retro. It it I it is alleged to be that you can play in retro styles. We'll see. Well, I did have a complaint because he decided to try a couple of the, cause he didn't, he's seen the play test and all that. He wanted to try a couple of things that they're going to do in fifth in the last game here. And one of them really kind of torqued me because he didn't tell us he was going to do it. In the first. I found out the reason I got torqued because he didn't tell us beforehand he was going to do it, which was uh, changing the stat rolls. He didn't do ascending armor classes, did he? (laughs) No, what he did was he said make a dex. It was a dex roll or a strength roll. And I was like, oh, yeah, my dex is 18. Boom, I made it. Uh, No, you didn't. You didn't hit the the damage class. So what? (laughs) I rolled it. I rolled under my dex. I made it. No. I see. We're doing doing a damn. We're doing DC. I want to try it out. It's like. Thank you for telling me beforehand. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with home uh, house rules that a DM uses in their game. I just, right. but I do feel like you kind of really should tell the players ahead of time. Yeah, he just mentioned he was going to do a few like that, and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Oh, you so know. he told you he was going to do stuff, just didn't specify. 
Yeah, I thought I th- yeah, the game was underway. Yeah, I thought I'd try some of this stuff and stuff like that. And you know, everybody's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on with the get on with the story. Mm. And so he took. It's like, what do you mean I didn't make it? I roll I, I, my 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 dad my no it was a wisdom check. My wisdom is eighteen. I'm playing a cleric, and I roll like a four, and I didn't make it. What do you mean I rolled a four? I think it was a four four, and I didn't make it. And I said, like, "What are you talking about? I made the damn roll." Well, we're doing this. All right, fine, whatever, go do do what you want to me. I don't care, you know, because I just said, not ascending armor class. No, it was it was labyrinth lord, but. You know, yeah. he, he he was so anxious to try some stuff out, you know, that kind of. Well, I did hear Fifth was going to have Thaco, so. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. We'll find out. I get to, I'm going to, I will be good boy and download the PDF and all that kind of stuff. And So you'll be uh, changing Thaco's hammer to a fifth edition broadcast, right? I will not. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. That would uh, be. First, a, first that, that would not be good for my health. The other three would jump up and, like, kill me. Yeah. What, uh, Jim? Jim? J- James? Yes. Oh, I was just thinking that would be 10 kinds of awesome, but no, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you, but... <laughs> All right. Ladies. And uh, that's it. Um, well, we've... Our usual second edition game. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Huh. Yeah, we won't be the only ones not playing classic now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, yesterday, um, I got to admit, we were pretty light on adventure yesterday because (laughs) (laughs) once again, we found ourselves where we were having to spend our time, you know, dividing up treasure, selling things for gold piece value because our DM is moving the campaign into a spell jammer campaign. Oh, I'm so sorry. No. Are you kidding? We got away from Faerun. <laughs> yeah. I'm thrilled. <laughs> now you get to fight vampires in space. In space. space. Yes. So we were on the Rock of Brawl, and um, we had gotten there by using the Spelljammer helm that we appropriated from a wrecked <laughs> ship. And, that was- and I finally got to use my skeleton T-Rex. <laughs> yes, we t- it was totally our fault that we wrecked the the spelljammer ship. We thought it was this flying red hammerhead shark. It's like it's a monster, kill it. And it's like, "No, wait, it's a flying ship of some kind." It's like, "Well, bring it down anyway." And- <laughs> <laughs> kill it, kill it with fire. Kill it with fire. That's right. Well, we were we found out when we discovered it was a ship that some of the evil cultists that we've been trying to fight were on the ship. It was connected with them. So we felt totally within our rights to try to bring the ship down. Um, But yeah, anyway, the ship crashed. We were able to retrieve that helm. We weren't sure what it did, but we were able to figure it out with um, appropriately used, you know, identify spells and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we had to use someone else's ship to put the helm on to go up to the Rock of Brawl because that's where, since he's making it into Spelljammer, he has changed the campaign to where the actual temple that we are trying to get to is up in space. 
space, so, space. so we need to yeah. go up there. The Temple and, of Elemental Evil. <laughs> so it's in space, and we went up with this borrowed ship, and we couldn't keep the guy's ship. So we wound up, we're taking all of our magical items that we had in our bag of holding and everything. It's like, okay, what can we sell so that we can purchase a ship to place the helm into and then we'll be dirt poor again and <laughs> doing anything we can for the odd gold piece after we kill ah, off the, space the pirates. Yeah, space pirates. But we built a killer ship. So. We, we have a killer ship, though. So, But yeah. <laughs> We, we have a fantastic ship now, and we have our helm put in it. Our paladin bought horseshoes of flying for his war horse. Who he insists on dragging along you, you'll remember, on the ship. You'll remember Widowmaker, the horse he couldn't actually ride because he didn't have a riding skill and, and who nearly killed him. And now it flies. <laughs> and now yes, it flies. And now it flies. And so he can rain death from above. And <laughs> But yeah, um... So, yeah, that was most of what we did yesterday was selling things and buying things and getting our ducks in a row so that the next game session will actually be going and making our attack on the Temple of Elemental Evil. Five hours, one die roll. Who's your DM? (laughs) Chase. Chase. I mean, Chase, that's genius because I saw what you did there. We're going to shift this to a different campaign setting, Gold Sink. Well, yep. to be fair, he asked us beforehand if we would be interested in moving to Spelljammer or not. So he didn't just arbitrarily, you know, do it to us. And, you know, for the most part, we all said, yeah, sure, we're willing to give that a try. Cause just it's- get me out of the Forgotten Realms. Oh, but I can't wait to hear Mike bitch about, okay, I, w- I wanted to turn the ship and I found out I needed the skill Navigation Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've already been prepping. And I just know out there in the ether there is a spaceship with, like, at least five decks, maybe eight. <laughs> I don't have survival ether, so, you know, <laughs> die in space. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, so um, that's, that was pretty much our last game session was um, accounting, and so we're, we're ready to go now. Right, and we'll talk about our gaming at the con as we move into the show. And so, before we do that, though, we got a file for from someone who's really cool for <laughs> basic impressions. I want to be just like him when I grow up. Me too. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. But which I would be willing to share with you. To do then now would be retro. To do then then yeah. was very natural. Yeah, if you will. It's coming. What? The idea, the spark. I got it, I got it. Basic impressions. Hello, everyone. I know it's been a while, but this is going to be the a new episode of Basic Impressions. I need, wanted to speak about some things I'd found on the Internet, and rather than clog the actual show up with it, I figured I would just go ahead and record a Basic Impressions to talk about it. As those of you with office jobs know, it's far too easy to end up surfing the internet and finding things about our hobby that we find interesting. I'd like to talk about three things I discovered. The first was on dragonsfoot.com and 
or actually I think it's dragonsfoot.org. Anyway, a post by Scott Anderson called In Defense of Race as Class. I found this very interesting, and while I won't go over the entire argument he put forward, his main points were as follows, namely that dwarves, elves, and halflings aren't just funny-looking humans in funny outfits. They are different races, and thus they have different views when it comes to personality and classes. The idea of the adventurer is a human pastime, and those few demi-humans who decide to adventure as well are generally the exception rather than the rule. It may be a bit Tolkien-esque, but let's face it, there's a lot of Tolkien in classic D&D. But elves have their pastimes of living forever, singing and dancing and prancing and all that other stuff. Dwarves like to dig up and find precious minerals. That's what they, as a race, like doing, and that's what they do. Adventurers are going to be different. And even in that difference, that's a personality thing. And thus, having a certain uniform set of abilities makes sense for their race. Anyway, I found it a very good argument. Um, Take a look at it whenever you get a chance on Dragon's Foot. The second one is at the Xenopus Archives, and it is a post that puts forward the idea of the Hobbit or Halfling from original D&D and Holmes as what amounts to a supplement ranger. The argument that's put forward on this idea is that at least up through basic expert Mulvey Cook, the Hobbit has a special ability to disappear in the wilderness, they have superior hearing to humans, and they get bonus on missile weapons. Now, it doesn't take much to extrapolate that into a predilection for the wilderness. Now, DMs, in order to make it a truly ranger-type class, might actually add in some kind of tracking as well, but... That would really be all you'd have to add in order to have a decent uh, ranger class without necessarily importing the thing whole cloth. Not to mention it would give people a rationale for playing halflings more, particularly for wilderness adventures. Finally, this didn't come from the internet, but it came from some of my research as uh, a history professor. One of the big arguments in classic D&D is the inability of having a lawful thief. Now, this seems to be a no-brainer on the face of it. Who? Why would you have anything but a chaotic or neutral thief, since the very act of being a thief is breaking laws? Well, not necessarily. In Britain, from the 18th century through back through the Middle Ages, a city watch was there to basically keep the peace to avoid things like riots or physical attacks on on innocence, that sort of thing. They didn't investigate burglaries. Basically, the person who managed to have his house broken into and stolen or his purse stolen by a thief, if they were wealthy enough, they hired a character or a person by the name of a thief catcher. And this was kind of a 
bounty hunter in a way, but they had a lot of thief skills. And their job was basically to be hired to investigate what we would have a police inspector or detective do nowadays. They would find clues, such as they were, and hunt up the criminal and drag them before the, the watch, who would then prosecute them for the crime, but they wouldn't go out and actually hunt them down themselves. So it's a good way of having a what amounts to a lawful thief class. While it might, on the face of it, be limited to a city setting, it doesn't necessarily have to. It would just give a good background for a lawful character having such abilities. Anyway, those are things that have been percolating on my mind with Basic Expert, and so I thought I would share them with everyone. Please write in and let me know what you think, if you think the possibilities are good or bad, or I'm nuts, either way. There will be links to both Scott Anderson's post and Xenopus Archive in the show notes. Till next time on Basic Impressions, happy gaming. What a thoughtful fellow. <laughs> Finally. Comments and, and very introspective. I, I don't know what to say myself. Somebody finally submitted a decent basic impressions. <laughs> hey, they're all good. <laughs> Are you guys through? Buttons? Yeah, I think so. Okay. For the moment. Fine. <laughs> I thought you actually I thought you had some very valid comments there, Mike. Well, I like the, mostly... the racist class thing you talked. Yeah, I mean that was mostly, you know, credit where credit's due. That yeah. was Scott Anderson. Yeah, but I, I'm glad he took the time to do that because I think the thing that bothers people about racist class is the fact that that tends to give the race, say, dwarves or elves or whatever, a kind of like it's the Borg or a hive mind. You know, they're just one little piece in a giant cog, and there's no individuality there, they feel. Well, yeah, but again, even that's kind of, you know, standing out as an individual – in Anderson's interpretation, is right. a human thing. Right. It's it's not really a elf or dwarf or halfling thing. Yeah, he's and, afraid. They're, they're, the dwarves are afraid to go back into the mountain, the clan, because we will be assimilated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they just don't want to spend their rest of their life digging up crap. They want to kill sure. stuff and check their spleen for emeralds. Sure. Their own spleen? No. Whatever oh, they. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll they don't have to leave the mountain to check their own spleen, I guess. <laughs> well, I can't say enough good things about the Xenobus Archives website. There's always such fantastic articles there. Well, they emphasize what what version of that game is it? Only the best version of Basic ever. Ah, <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rule Cyclopedia. Okay. Dude, I, I went, the weekend I found that website, I didn't get anything else accomplished that weekend. Yeah, I mean, between his own comments and then, like, the Holmes manuscript that he found for the predating the actual publication of it, it's like, wow, this is some It's been a long time stuff. since I saw that. I have to go back and look. It's been a long time yeah. since. But yeah. I, I agree with a lot of what you said, too, and I'll spare you the usual, this is what I like about DCC, because it does the same thing. I'll spare you that, except I didn't, but... Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But there's a lot of overlooked nuances to Holmes and even the OD&D that people think they know how racist class works and don't really. And when you get into it, I mean, there's every mechanic you could ever want. Yeah. Yeah. And 
one thing I will say about DCC that I have occasionally considered as importing into a house rule in my classic games is I do like that whole luck thing for halflings. Well, I, when we were talking about what we did in gaming, we're playing first-level characters. Okay, my first-level uh, cleric invoked a divine aid and summoned my god to sweep us all out of a TPK because I had the foresight to buddy up to the guy playing the halfling. And I'm like, okay, this is the sp- this is what I got to get off to make this work. And we went off the corner and we saved the party. Although, let me say, Victorious has a similar system for victory points. But I just want to say that game was written in 2006, okay? So no chance <laughs> that it's a DCC ripoff. I just want to make that clear. You got to you got to hip a brother to a pre-publication copy of that cuz I want to read it. Okay. I'm just waiting for it to come out. Yeah, oh, you way, and me both. Yeah, but, oh, by the way, Matt said they'd love to if you you come out with quick start and stuff, we'd love they our group would love to try it out. Okay. I mean, we'll get to that when we're talking about the con, but I watched it being played and it looked like it played awesome. Well, people seem to have a good time. Even despite the comments, I look like Tom Petty with my top hat and my sunglasses on. That, that was one of the best parts. It was, Don't come around here no more. Dude, that it, was not one of the best parts. <laughs> <laughs> it was uncanny. When I first walked in a room, I thought maybe Liz was two-timing you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Stewart, Master of Disguise. Yeah, I, I I had to suppress the, oh, yeah, Mike, that's real costumey. Uh, hey, I got there and discovered I didn't have my tie, which I could have gone without, and my pants, which I couldn't have gone without. Oh, come on. If bad Mike can get into a Speedo and dress up like the devil for a midnight off. You see, that annoyed me. I didn't know he even that even happened on Saturday till I got his email. <laughs> I was like, I missed that. That is awesome. How could I miss that? That was just too cool. I, I'm glad I missed it if he was wearing a speedo. <laughs> well, okay, but the devil suit, you know. Yeah. In fact, that was how I was going to introduce him if he could have made the con. It's like voted most, you know, best looking in a devil costume. <laughs> I bought a lot of. That you is have, one you, you haven't seen devil. my you haven't seen my blog entry, have you? <laughs> no. Like, no. Again, I walked in. I walked in your game. Thought Tom Petty was GMing it. I walked in the auction and thought uh, John Levitz was doing the auction <laughs> as the devil. <laughs> That's another people. <laughs> All righty. Well, do we have any emails, Liz? Oddly enough, yes, we do. Get down, get down, get down, get down. The Save or Die email hot tub time machine. Come here, you scrumptious little beauty. Here I go once again with the email. Every week I hope that it's from a female. Oh, man. Ah, we're beginning closer to caught up, aren't we? Uh, well, we're we're kind of treading water. We we we're managing to keep, you know, maybe there's about five emails ahead of us um, every time we do this. So okay, um, we're 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 doing okay. We're, we're not backsliding yet. <laughs> okay, well, our first email is from Kevin Long. Kevin. And- Kevin writes, hi, guys and Liz. (laughs) There are a few things that I have for you this time. First, I got onto your show from a coworker. It has now become something that if he listens first, he will tell me that my email is on the show. 
Uh-huh. Or like last time when I told you about the Blink Dogs, I said my email was not only first, but they made fun of me throughout the whole show. It was great. <laughs> we're, we're well, only- Kevin, your your email isn't on this show, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. On the subject of the Blink Dogs, I believe it was the idea of the DM that when we retired, we would be going into business of mating them. If I can say something about a few of the shows, because at least one of you is on one of the shows I listen to. So I think it was on this show that we learned some of you don't like The Assassin. I have to disagree. The only version I don't like is the 3.0 slash 5. I have also not played the one from the edition that we won't say, but I might next year at Tabletop Con or AetherCon if I can get in. If in 3.0 slash 5, it was a normal class, I might use it more. I think it was in one of the shows on RFI that the boys kind of hinted at it not being cool that a guy would play a female character. If there was a problem with this, what is it? In the world I have created, the paladins are male and the clerics female. There are those cases in which the paladin is female, such as Amber or Cobber the Half-Orc, male cleric, not only do I play female characters, this year at Tabletop Con, I was going to play DJ, my first edition cleric, but due to not having 1E games, I did it for the game that has a fake name, so I had a nun's costume made. It was great, and most people loved it. The last thing I think I have this time is about how in later editions there is a lack of role-playing and more on the dice. I have been thinking lately, even though someone is going to make a search check or a perception check, the DM can still say, how are you going to do this? And then after they tell you how they are doing it, they make their roll, i.e., there is still an 85% chance that you are going to bend or lift. I know this is kind of long, so if we don't hear it until an email show, that is cool. Thanks, Kevin. Well, Well, we fooled you, Kevin. We read it before the email show. And we're going to wait to make fun of you until we read your second email this episode. (laughs) That's right. We get a twofer. Yeah, we're going to do it at the end of the show, so you have to listen to the whole show before you get to it. So it wasn't this show. Who was was having a problem with cross-gender role-playing? He was saying RFI. Yeah. Yeah. They had it. I, I personally don't have a problem playing a female character. In fact, I do in, in my 2E game. Um, I can say that if you're with a new group, if you don't know how they're going to react, it can be kind of odd, especially if you do a lot of role-playing as that other character. I'd say it's probably one of those things you really got to know the rest of your players and make sure they're not uncomfortable. Yeah, same same thing for the nun's costume. Make sure none of your players had tragic Catholic school upbringing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First. <laughs> a, a horrible backstory with a ruler, and then it's like, no! Uh-huh. I dodged that bullet. But yeah, I don't I don't know about you guys. I don't see any particular problem with that. I mean Glenn I would pay a hundred dollars to see at a game in a nun costume. <laughs> <laughs> that would be some good stuff right there. Well and I would that take and I would devil. and I would take the hundred dollars. Hey Glenn, you've got a way to help pay for next year's North Texas. Good. That's at least my registration oh, I'll, right I'll, there. I'll, I'll throw it over. Hey, how about, how about two hundred if I can talk Bad Mike into wearing the nun costume? <laughs> I'll throw but it no, over. Bad Mike would. You would wear the it. nun costume. Bad Mike wears the devil costume again. It'll be great. I'll be the none of the above. No, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll do this as a contest next year. We'll raise enough money to pay for the the web server so Vince can get some you know relief. We'll me and Glenn. 
We'll set a, a dollar pledge amount, and Glenn and I will show up in nun costumes at North Texas Con. I will here. show up at nun costumes and make sure I have at least a five-day growth of beard. You heard it here first, guys. That's right. Or, hey, I'm an actor. i got a makeup kit, you know. There, there you go. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I draw the line at mascara. I ain't wearing no mascara. What, well, no, wearing... you're a nun. You can't what, wear One of you can be named Nunya. Oh. Uh, I don't get it. Nunya business. <laughs> oh, Knock, knock. Yeah. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Nenya. Nenya who? Nenya business. <laughs> uh, you heard that here, folks, assassin. too. That's right. I'm the Nenya um, I don't dislike the assassin. I just don't see that there's any practical way to have him in a party without them eventually betraying the party. Really? Well, even uh, if you were a paid assassin for the crown... Um, I think the problem would be that most of the group's adventures would have to revolve around assignments from the noble, you know, and the assassin would have to have something, you know, for him or her to be doing, you know, all the time. Otherwise, they're just kind of, you know, being a thief. <laughs> yeah, a I thief just... with with serial killer tendencies, you know, and it's... I mean, here's where I come out on it. It's an often abused and inherently problematic character class. But with the right players and the right amount of GM fiat, I mean, have at it. Have fun. Yeah. It's easier in original than it is in advanced because, you know, original, the assassin just had to be neutral. In advanced, they have to be evil. That's really mm. tough. Agreed. Um, okay, well. Was there anything else he asked, or um, talking about um, lack of role playing um, on the later editions and more on actual dice rolls? Well, I'm not going to say anything about skill checks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to you guys. Just, just uh, imagine that Mike is saying something about proficiencies and, <laughs> or in a word, bah, bah. <laughs> hey, uh, if I wear a nun costume, can I smoke a cigar? We've moved think, on, Glenn. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think you'd almost have to, though. A dog like this. I got to say, it's sweet when you're playing with an experienced uh, DM who just you, – you describe what you want to do, and they're like, that's easy. You don't need to make a roll. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you just convinced me. Go for it. The important thing it, it, to me is roles. Roles should only be done when there is a significant chance of failure. That's right. Um, and, otherwise, you know – just do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Well, our next letter is also from Kevin Long, and he writes, Hi, guys and Liz. First, I started listening to your show by way of a coworker that may or may not have a crush on Liz. Uh, join hey, the, hey, hey. Join the club. <laughs> you know so, Storky, too? So, Liz, if you could give a shout to Andy Chandler of New Skin, that would be great. Hey, Andy. <laughs> Andy Chandler. <laughs> that was not Liz, by the way. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liz. <laughs> I'm in <doing> Candyland. <laughs> so, hey, Andy. Good to know you're a fan. Second, Glenn, you want to talk about me starting my letters, Hi, Guys and Liz. It is, <laughs> it is because she is not a guy. But if it makes you feel better, I can start with Hi, Group, O, and Glenn. <laughs> that sounds more typical, really. 
I'm used to that. <laughs> and Zoidberg. Yeah. Hello, friends. And Glenn. <laughs> Glenn and friends. If, if you really <laughs> want to make Glenn happy, if you really want to make Glenn happy with your email, just mention Thaco's Hammers about 12 times in the email. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to make Jim happy, keep going with the DCC. So, with the role-playing, the game Go is a Japanese game, and the monkey was a better player than the humans, so they almost killed him. Um, You guys may remember one of the last letters we read from him an episode or so ago. Um, He was talking about one of the campaigns, and in in the campaign, the players were playing Go, so... And it was one of the magic acorn, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, actually. Um, last, and again, this is a reference to one of the letters that we read before, and we were you know, talking about this. Um, the Grim Fairy Tales comic are dark, not as dark as the stories of the same name, and the heroes are trying to help the Queen of Hearts grow her kingdom. Shortly after the cleric decided he would worship the Cheshire Cat, he was not able to come anymore. So now I have to start over, and they will start in the search for the unknown. Ooh, B1. Um, Your number one unlit torchbearer, Kevin. Got to get him to light that torch. (laughs) Worship the Cheshire Cat as their deity. That would be awesome. (laughs) Can you imagine the holy symbol? That would be a chaos god for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, and I don't mean chaotic as in "quote unquote" evil, but you know, just more like chaos. anarchy. Yeah. Alrighty, our next email is from Vic Shade Technolich. Vic Shade. Vic Shade. It sounds like the t- it sounds like a new TV show. Vic Shade Technolich. <laughs> <laughs> On the Grand Duchy of Karamikos. Uh-oh. <laughs> here, here it comes. Here, here it comes. comes. That's right. Yeah, you and Jim are going to get it. <laughs> you say in the beginning of the podcast that you are a fan of attribute checks. Why have a grudge on a simple system that lets a player choose four things that he gets a plus two bonus doing? It still uses attribute checks. You just treat your attribute as two points higher. Seems just about perfect to me. What is, I disagree. <laughs> what is wrong with having appointed knights, title, and self-proclaimed knights, class option? Yeah, Mike, what's it with you? Well, I think it's confusing, especially when you have people going around using that. I mean, well, I don't like it. Wrong is a strong term. I mean, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. So, Oh, yeah. If, I mean, if it works for you, great. And where in any book does it say any character should ever refer to themselves as a level X anything? I know it says all the class level titles don't exist in Karamikos, and they were taken out of the game from 1978 on, but where does it say, as was implied on the show, you should just state your level? Well, I got that from, oh, I think it was page six, where it talks about character creation and you know, it pretty much said, you know, don't use the level title, just sit, just use your class level. And that, that just seems goofy to me. Because yeah. realistically, who is going to introduce themselves as, I am a second level magic user? You know? <laughs> yeah, or yeah, I am 
you know, Markar the first level magic user, or I am Markar the medium, which sounds better. Which is yeah. rare. Yeah, I'm still trying to work my way up to name level podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that one way you could do it and have it sound, you know, kind of conversationally normal would be, you know, instead of using the word level, you could say, you know, I am, I am Marcos, a magic user of the second rank or the second circle, you know, and just yep. use that in place of the word level. There and, you go. But but yeah, it it said, or that was how I read it. Don't use the level title; just say your level. And well, you can that, go back to the old. Uh, I'm a prestidigitator. <laughs> so I mean, maybe I maybe I read that incorrectly, but that was that was what it seemed to be saying to me. Don't use your level title; just you know, just write down you know I'm second level whatever. My magic user, first level magic user, walks into a bar and says, "Hi, I'm an arch wizard." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, because you know. well, you could, but I don't yeah. think last long. <laughs> hey, don't, don't don't laugh. We had a guy in Texas do that in a game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me see your license. It says here you're just a medium. <laughs> That's rare, medium rare. Get it? <laughs> oh, these country folks. I'm, I'm a small medium at large. Uh, oh, but I'm Wow. <laughs> Ouch. I like that even better than when you cuss. <laughs> <laughs> even better. I think I think your fanboydom goes up a notch when you cuss on the show. Mm. Well, no one would because it always gets out, so. Yeah, but they use their imagination. Ah, you know. uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that was where I got that from. I believe it was on page six, and mm-hmm. you can write in and tell me if I totally misunderstood that, but that's what I got from it anyway. Um, okay, going on, um, he also says, the immortals of Mistara are very well detailed in other material, but yes, they are vague in that particular source, because the core rules, Mincer, state that you should just keep gods out of the game. Don't sleep on Mistara halflings. Don't sleep on halflings? <laughs> when you get <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> when you get to their gaz, you will have learned a new respect for them. Wait till you read the ballad of the Halfling High. Hmm. <laughs> that sounds like something we were talking about before the show. <laughs> is, this tra- is this a translation for Google Voice? <laughs> Well, you we, know, Middle, Middle Earth was obviously before America continents were discovered, and they're smoking something in those pipes. <laughs> <laughs> we love the crime and punishment rules in our groups. Having characters use advocacy for being accused of basically being murder hobos was always a great source of all role play sessions. To each his own, I suppose. Yeah, my biggest problem with that, though, is that it actually encouraged you. That the book told you to get the PCs into into a crime situation trouble. <laughs> to make them basically do it, and that's that was my biggest problem with it. I would switch. I would switch it up. I get them into a crime situation, then I pull out City State of the Invincible Overlord and use that crime and put it. <laughs> <in the place. laughs> oh, you're, you you're in a big trouble now, boy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a straight and narrow for me after that system. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry about your legs, son. That's why God gave you two. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to ask 
what the hell is the Xenopus? <laughs> well, it's like an octopus, only a lot larger. And um, <laughs> anyway, and it's got a cream filling and <laughs> Xenopus. Go to Xenopus Archives at blog or not at, but Xenopusarchives.blogspot.com. Xenopus right. is spelled with a Z, Z E N O P U S. Archives, it's, you can spell that. Yeah. <laughs> its D&D reference is to, in the Holmes, the first basic set, there was a sample dungeon in the back, which was the dungeon of the Tower of Xenopus. Yeah, so you never actually got to meet Xenopus in the sample dungeon. Um, he's either dead or disappeared. You know, it's up to you as the DM. What or lurking in lower levels. Yeah, That's you know, you can have him, have him be there or not, as you like. But anyway. I got so, a question, because you guys are even younger than me, but I was still a teenager. When we first read that, we thought that was funny. We were, like, reading through the rules. Xenopus. They said Xenopus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I took like, it totally uh, seriously when I was... Of course, I was like eight or nine. So when I was living in Chicago, shortly a friend of mine bought the homestead, and we didn't know anything about D and D, and we basically spent most of our time laughing at the gods' names. Gods? Yeah. There aren't any gods in the Holmes book. All right, he was laughing at some kind of names. We were mostly making fun of the names. The monsters. Yeah, and we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't comprehend how this game works. It wasn't until like three or four years later when I actually got into it. Oh, okay, I see what they're doing. Ah, okay. Hey, I didn't put out the. T- I didn't put. I didn't lay out the ten bucks. I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continuing this episode about Vic Shade. Yes, uh, <laughs> Vic Shade goes on to say, "So glad you mentioned the shearing ceremony. I love it that this is the perfect way of sending off PCs into the adventuring life." Yep. Sanitation okay. equals magic. Medieval European cities didn't have charmed gelatinous cubes as street sweepers. There is an adventure in the expert set where the giant black pudding that is used as a waste dump shakes off its charm monster and escapes its walled prison. Adventures versus colossal garbage pudding. (laughs) Well, they didn't really go into that in, in the Gazetteer. And again, that's, you know... That that is a way of dealing with it, but of course, with the excuse it's magic, you can do all sorts of things. Oh yeah. Song of Halav. I think you guys will really like the way the Gazes all have their history written in two parts, as the players know it and as the immortals know it. That's cool. I used a Nosferatu against a level three party just last Monday night. Right on. I could never have used a true vampire, even with their <laughs> scroll of undead ward. Oh, you mm. could have. <laughs> and, and, and it would have been awesome. <laughs> My son, your mistaken Nosferatus are true vampires. Thank you very much. Final point. Bargle! No, yeah, no one can. No one can argue with Bob. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the Gazetteer line. My favorites are Karamikos. Hadn't noticed. Glantry. <laughs> Sorry, elves of, elves of Alpine. Probably in that order. I love this product. I have been using it and the other Gazes for over twenty years of continuous gaming, and there are still many elements we have never touched on. It's a sandbox tool. Keep what you love. Forget the rest. Rename it. Reskin it. Reuse it. And make it your own. 
I love you guys. I'm still listening after all these years. I will forgive you any indiscretions on this very <laughs> close to the heart subject for me. LOL. <laughs> Thanks, Vic. My year-long Mistara Mondays game is still going strong on Yay. Roll20 with Labyrinth Lord Advanced and Yay. the Grand Duchy of Karamikos. All right. Keep on making them. I'll keep on listening. Game on, Vic Shade. Thank you, Vic. <laughs> Thank you. And if you ever have a line on a spare Gaz 9, please let me know. I'm still looking for one. <laughs> so complete. Almost complete. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, Vic pointed out several things in there that just point out, you know, a lot of our opinions are just that, you know, our own yeah. opinions, our own perceptions. And hopefully our reviews right. not only give our own opinions and perceptions of a product, but give enough data that yeah, people who was, disagree with us yeah. might go, well, yeah, you know, I this want was, that. Yeah, this was why we didn't care for this particular thing. And, you know, you might be listening and think, you know, gosh, from what you've said, this sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. I want this. Well, if we do our oh, jobs yeah. right, that's what we do even when it's not to our personal taste, which I think we, we, we certainly try to do that. Yes, folks, yeah. we sell games. Yeah, until Mike and Jim both gave it like, what, two dragons, 1.5 dragons? What did you do? You. <laughs> well, I sorry. I mean, looking back on it, I might yeah. have given it a 2.5. Because, you know, it what seemed very almost kind of cardboardy and, and stock, well, if you're a brand new, totally new DM, maybe you need that. Yeah. But, you know, just my own feeling, I just, there were some good parts in there. But on the whole, it's, you know, just not something I would use. It, Certainly know, not it, intact. True, true. And it all made it all worth it just for Fort Doom. Yeah, uh, and and Hendrix. If and Hendrix, the mustache twirling. <laughs> <villain. laughs> we have to, we have to, we have to come up with steam engines so I can tie people to them. <laughs> I, I have a quick question before we go to the next email. Is it true that Mens? I'm not up on my Menser edition because I own it, but I I didn't play it. Uh, is it true that there are no deities for the clerics in Menser D and D? Yes. I mean, first first thing I wanted to say was, well, Jim was right there, or, or Frank was right there. Why didn't you ask him at the con? But because uh, well, no, we didn't there, have this email. That's true. There were no, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, there is no, there are no deities in uh, in uh, yeah. And that's one of those things I don't agree with. But considering where D and D was at that time, the mid '80s and TSR. I understand it. Yeah, well, I see the immortals thing is basically make your own gods. But they're not gods, they're immortals, wink, wink. Well, yeah, exactly. It's a totally different name, wink, wink. Here's how to make an immortal, a.k.a. G-O-D. Like like the Papa Zoo and Tanari in second edition. We don't have demons and devils, wink, wink. And those were contemporaneous, so that makes sense. More or less, yeah. Yeah, about the same time, too. Yeah. 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 Okay. You got it. Sorry, I was just ignorant and actually wanted to know. That's all right. That's all right. You yeah, know. I'm not a mincer guy myself, so. You know? Um, you That's know, why you we have to... Glenn here. Well, yeah, if you want to write these questions down next June, I could ask Frank. Uh... <laughs> or come to North Texas and ask him yourself. Okay. All right. Any more emails? All right. We got one last email. 
And this one is from Dean Forsyth. And Dean writes, Hey there, SOD. Greetings from Rhode Island. Hi. Hello. It's taken me about a month, but I just finally caught up after starting at episode one. Wow. Good Lord. Okay. I salute before, you, sir. That was before it was good. Wow. Yeah. If that didn't scare you off, nothing's going to. I know. I mean. <laughs> that which does not kill you. It's bittersweet. I don't want to wait for episodes now. I could try RFI or Tacos Hammer. Get it? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but what about Mike and Liz? Yeah, what about us? What about us? Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah RFI is kind of a step down. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll probably be emailing with a lot of questions in the future, but I'll start slow. This one's for Glenn. <laughs> slow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind sharing the info slash stats on Warhammer's Skaven that you imported to D&D. I've always thought they were an awesome creature and would love to use it in Swords and Wizardry or Microlite 74. Thanks, Crunch. Sure. I would I would be I will add, that was actually uh Matt Odinist who did the conversion, but I'm sure he would have no problem unless he wanted to sell the book there and then there would be a problem. But hey, I doubt I'll give that cuz yeah. Skaven's are No, I mean no, I mean his. They, he calls him Ratten, but it's the same ah, thing. Okay, but uh, it's like it's in his uh, it's in his uh, adventures in Mythgarther book. Um, okay. uh, email me. <laughs> That's all I can say is email me. I was gonna say well, hammer at gmail dot com. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if Matt was okay with it, we could maybe throw up the stats on the web page with yeah. the show notes, maybe. I'll, I mean, my, yeah, with a blurb saying, if you like this, try his book, and that's a little more publicity. Or, so. just, or, or just a link to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can do I can do. Either way, we'll get it to you. All righty. And that is our emails for this episode. Thank you. Woohoo! Thank you all. And if people want to write, where should they write? DM Glenn? Save or die podcast at gmail.com. Or send us a voicemail at 940 940- Five three six thirty seven sixty three. My computer. Resod. My computer took over there because I I was bound. You know I would be bound to be saying Thaco's hammer. <laughs> so just let the computer handle it. Yeah, let the computer handle it. All righty. Well, let's uh, break, and then when we come back, we shall start talking about North Texas RPG Con twenty fourteen. Top five for the North Texas RPG Con. And it's probably going to be tough to narrow it down to just five for all of it, each of us. But before we begin, we'd like to send some thoughts out to Jim Ward, who is currently in the hospital, having some major health issues. Mm-hmm. We'll all think about him, and every, all listeners hopefully will pray for a speedy recovery. Using our thoughts and prayers. Get better soon, sir. Yes, that's please. right. The warden, the warden needs you. Yes, we need you to kill more players next year. 
No, no, player characters. Uh, player characters. <laughs> he doesn't kill players anymore. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we keep running out of them that way when you do yeah. that. Anyway. But, my God, Godspeed guy. Please get better. Yeah. All right. So first impressions of the con, DM Liz. Okay. Well, um, as usual, it's it's getting bigger every year. Um, very well run again, I thought. I'm very glad that we're staying at the Marriott, you know, for a second year in a row. And from what I hear, we're going to be at that same location next year. Um, so location is good. Staff, very helpful. Um, very, very kind to all of us. Um, it's it really is running like a well-oiled machine now. I think. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, Doug Ray and Mike Badalato are the two hardest working con runners in showbiz. That's, that's right. That's no joke. I mean, because uh, up, up at GaryCon, I watched uh, Luke Gygax and Dale and the crew, you know, <clears throat> work their butts off. But uh, you know, they've got a few years on uh, Doug and Mike. Those guys are working hard. I, I I can't help but do like, you know, comparison between the two since I've had a couple years now going to both. And uh, the thing that uh, is really nice about North Texas Con, it's about the same total footprint in terms of table space as Gary Con. But at North Texas Con and at Marriott, it's all on one floor, which is really nice. You just, you know, from the dealer area to free gaming to the games, it's just to the restaurant. It's all right there in one nucleus, which is very sweet. Yeah. And I heard we're going to have the entire con or the entire hotel for the con next year. So we won't be sharing it with George Strait groupies, I guess. <laughs> so so I can run like a game in the gym? Or or, or IBM people where <laughs> Pool, poolside. That's where I want to run my yeah. game. Yeah. There you go. Especially with Texas Heat. Yeah, I have. That means we can't steal IBM's lunch anymore. So <laughs> have, have some little drinks with umbrellas in them. It'll be good. Find one of these gazetteers where everything takes place underwater. <laughs> and then when you drop your dice, better hope they float. <laughs> oh, I seem to recall there had been talk at one point about getting <clears throat> Michael Curtis to run a game entirely in the pool, and everyone was going to have those little, you know, inflatable inner tube rings and stuff. And oh, boy. <laughs> don't give him any more ideas, because Dallas in space about killed me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Glenn, before we get into details, Glenn, do you have any overall impressions you want to share? Oh, man, dice characters. I operated like a well-oiled machine, and believe me, with all the booze, I was well-oiled. Um, except for Saturday just, night. Except for Saturday night. Well, actually, I started to, but it's like 13 bucks for a Boilermaker. Thank you very much, no. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like you said, it thing works like clockwork, um, from the registration down to the dealer's room to the games to the open game. Everything just sort of meshes. And it's like you notice, like, like when the vendors, the vendors that have returned, they all – get their space they know what their space is they know what's go you know what's going on and you know and <laughs> you want frog god go around the corner i know and that artist alley i love the artist alley that was great yeah okay that's mine all right well then let's uh talk over the number fives and for me i'll say i liked getting 
the Then to All Six Cons t-shirt. Those were sweet. Night of the Con, Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. I forget exactly what it was, but it was a t-shirt that only people who had been to all six cons got one. That's right. And I thought that was pretty cool. Mike had, Bad Mike had told me that Doug had originally planned on doing it on the 10th year, but couldn't wait. So <laughs> it, ended, it ended up being six. So, yeah. All right, Liz, your number five. <clears throat> okay. Um, my number five, Darlene was there. Oh, man. I, I think that's just fantastic because. You know, the last time I had been to a convention that she was a guest at was TrollCon, you know, back in, hmm. what was that, 2007, 2008, somewhere uh, in there? Six or seven. Yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. quite a few years. Um, so, yeah, you know, I haven't, I have not seen Darlene as a guest in ages at a convention, and I was just so impressed that... Mike and Doug were able to get her this year and being able to play the Jasmine card game with her was, you know, just a really big deal to me. You know, that and doing the Bunnies and Burrows last time around with Dr. Sestere, you know, those are my two, ah, (laughs) my gaming mecha moments. (laughs) I wish you could have seen the smile that was on your face when you were playing Jasmine card game with Darlene. It was so much fun. It's like the first time I met Jim Ward, and I, I, I just couldn't get over. Here's the guy who wrote my favorite game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm Liz was swinging. Yeah, I'm normally not a big card game person, <clears throat> but that one was a lot of fun. And what I liked about it was that you know, it's it's not a collectible card game. It has nothing to do with how much money you have and how many booster packs you buy. It's just the cards that come in the basic set and you know what you get is totally random based on how you draw and it it was just it was a really cool game. I liked it a lot. Come on, be honest. Your favorite thing about that was you beat Darlene at her own game. You won. That I, I I was very pleasantly surprised that I actually won the game because I did not expect to do that. Hey, Liz, I want to reach out. Okay. All right, Jim, your number five. Uh, my number five is the uh, the this year they changed it to where there was the regular auction and those really crazy midnight auctions, uh, both for the entertainment value of Mike Battelotto dressed up like John Levitz's devil in Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That was great. Yeah, I missed that. I didn't find out that even happened until after the con. It's like, ah! But uh, what happened with the midnight auctions is some of us regular folk who aren't billionaires got a chance to bid on stuff at decent prices, which, as you know, and Gary Khan's the same way, the regular auction, there's some money flying around, and that's just not the world I live in right now. It didn't used to be that way, too. I used to go to auctions at cons and come away with some decent stuff for decent prices, but now too many people with deep pockets out there. Well, that's great for if you've got deep pockets. Yay, you! I just don't have. Yeah, them. <laughs> right. Same here. All righty, Glenn. Um, B one. <laughs> the first thing out of the shoot. The dog lived. lived. And I credit you, Liz, because I had I was in another level 
trapped and you had the dog and it was only because of you that he lived so it's me i think oh oh my gosh i was so i was so convinced that to clarify that's mike botolato's b1 uh basic expert game the b1 in search of the unknown on thursday night he runs that every Thursday at the con, and I've played it for four years running now. I'm going to play it again next year, which will probably – I'm thinking maybe it will be my last time. Okay. I thought I might – you know, after next year, I think I was like, give somebody else a chance, you know, to play it. Because it fills up like that quick. Oh, you know? my gosh, yes. There's like two <clears throat> annual events. Mike runs B1, and the other annual event is Glenn plays, takes a dog into the dungeon, and it immediately dies. <laughs> yeah. so, so I heard I heard the story in, in waves. First, I heard you got the dog through the dungeon alive, and I'm like, how the hell did that happen? And then I heard, oh, because Liz had the dog. I'm like, all right, now I'm <laughs> Yeah, oh. so it's me. So Bollock 4 lived, <laughs> which is great, which means I don't need a Bollock 5 next year. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess number four for me would have to be I enjoyed getting a, being able to run my Victorious game. Oh, yeah. Although it was at the crack of 11 a.m. on Sunday, which was kind of mm-hmm. rough for people. But, you know, I think everybody had a good time. You had a lot of players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I liked it. <laughs> but then I'm a bit biased, but yeah. Okay, Mike, I guess the question is whether it's released or not next year, will you be running it again? I'll be running it again, whether or not it's released or not. Good. Uh, if it's not, I'm going to just start handing out quick start rolls to everybody and to heck with it. Good. Then you can hope you get a better time. Yeah. All right, Liz, number four. Okay. Um, this one is not so much of a something that I liked, but it was something that stood out to me. Um, as far as I was concerned, I had some confusion between what the menu for the restaurant itself was and the you know the menu for the concession stand um i mean once i was there for a couple of days you know it i got to where oh okay you know i figured it out but you know starting off i was a bit confused about Okay, so where are these sandwiches and stuff, you know, because, right. you know, the last year we had that menu given to us when we were sitting in the restaurant eating. But, um, you know, the special menu that they came up with just for the North Texas RPG people, you know, with the lower priced sandwiches and burgers and stuff. Um the last year that we were there, when you sat down to eat at the restaurant, you told them you were with the con, and they would bring you that lower-priced special menu with the limited choices. And this year, that menu was only through the concession table. Um, it wasn't with the restaurant itself. And so I think the first day that Mike and I went to the restaurant to eat, um, you know, I was expecting the the gamer menu but that wasn't there and so you know we were we were already there and ordered our drinks and everything it's like well okay you know i'll get the sand the higher priced sandwiches there um so i i kind of wish that there had been a little more of an obvious thing about that but um it it wasn't a deal breaker for me and by Mm. the next day I had figured out what was what, and it's like, okay, we want the cheap sandwiches. You know, we order through the girls. <laughs> right, the serving winches. Yeah. Uh, you you yeah. just reminded me. I passed an alignment check with the serving winches because uh, 
Doug Kovacs and a bunch of them uh, conned me into running uh, Mutant Crawl Classics, which wasn't a con game. We were just out in the atrium playing, and Jessica kept coming by going, can I get you some dinner? And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this this isn't a an an official game. <laughs> All right, you're number four, Jim? Or was that your number four? Oh, no, no, I'm going to cheat. Uh, my number four is, uh, I, was, I was slipping extra ones in there, uh, was the dealer area because in, it's like in two parts. Just the regular stuff that Glenn was talking about where you've got Black Blade Publishing, Lesser Gnome, Center Stage Minis. And, and Bad Mike stuff, yeah. Well, no, that's the second part. That's all cool oh, enough. Oh, but the sorry. But the stuff that Mike and uh, Doug bring to their own vending areas, it just shows the whole way they run the con, their love for the, the thing. Because uh, like Darlene's Jasmine card game for sale right there in uh, Doug's area. Um, the old Ace of Aces hardback Kickstarter. I, I had given up hope on ever finding mm. one of those for a def- decent Ooh. price on eBay. I go And I even asked sarcastically, I'm like, how much are those? And he's like, uh, 40 bucks. I'm like, done! <laughs> Give me one! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and, if you, and if you had deep pockets, he had shrink wrap, uh, you know, Holmes basic sets there. In I the, was in, drooling in over the original those. display. Yeah. Every year she drools over these, those. He has more and more of them every year. You know, it's like the first year, it's like he's got one Holmes box set, you know, perfect condition. Ooh, that's cute. That's cool. You know, the next year, there's two of them. This year, there's three of them. It's like, are they breeding? What are you doing? Hey, I was going to buy one for Liz, but she she had uh, self-control. Yeah, it was too too expensive. We couldn't really afford that. I mean, they 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 were beautiful, but I I would not have been able to have. I couldn't bear to take them out of the shrink wrap, and I'm not so much of a collector mindset. I can't just spend hundreds of dollars for a game that will never be opened at all. You know, I'll just sit and look at it. Um, so, I mean, I I want to use my games. You know, even right. the. Even even the the hard to find stuff, you know. I think I want to still be able to open the box, carefully look through the the books, and you know, be able to really enjoy them. I agree so, with you a hundred percent. A a game still in the shrink wrap is not a game; it's a collectible. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's why I wouldn't let Mike buy it because <laughs> it's like no, it's shrink wrapped. I'd never take it out, and it's. No. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I was busy opening up my shrink wrap. <laughs> so, so, so in terms of a dealer area for a gamer of my generation, I get more stuff at North Texas Con. I go home with more stuff than I do from Gen Con for crying out loud. Wow. Woohoo! Really? Yeah, and I probably would be the same, which is why it's, it gets harder every year to try to talk myself into considering Gen Con. You know, it's like I, it's this. I, I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Glenn, you're four. Well, <clears throat> I'm well. The one I was going to say, I'm going to say for number three. But uh, yeah, the dealers, great bunch of people. Bad, bad Mike, damn it! Every time I think I picked your stuff over, you always bring new stuff every year. Stop it! <laughs> you know everything. Uh, he always. I found like a couple of Forgotten Realms region books I was looking for and stuff. Um, nice to see Black Blade there. Um, they had copies of Playing at the World. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I was even more surprised to find out John Peterson was there all weekend, and I never got him to sign it. Uh, he wasn't there all weekend. 
he was just there for the day. What day? Saturday, remember? I think. Saturday, Saturday, I believe. Yeah, but said. it's like I didn't until after – they told me uh, – I found out on Facebook afterwards. He was there? I didn't Damn find out until I, I emailed him and he said, by the way, I you know, I hated missing you and like you were there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've been I've been sitting around sitting down and try and reading that doorstop. I mean, book. Um, and uh, it's awesome. It is awesome. And some of the deals I finally got my astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea. And it is every bit as awesome as Jim says. Wow. Um, Ash, yeah, A S S H. Well, yeah. I always mangle it when I say it, but that's me. Yeah. I, I can't say things right. What I find frustrating in the dealer's room is because I always want to buy something for my grandchildren. Because, like, oh, Grandpa, where you been? What'd you buy me? You know that kind of thing. And my two grandsons like D and D, but their mother, as you know, their mother won't let them play it. And they they're a little too young to read. Well, ten and eight, but I mean, they they wouldn't get grog. They wouldn't grok uh, rule books and stuff, so I buy them dice. I did when I was that age. Well, you know they're kind of hyper, but uh, I always want to buy them like T-shirts and stuff. I couldn't find any. It's like, where am I going to get my grandkids? Damn it! Uh, I'm sure if they had like Hello Kitty dice bags, I could have got it for my granddaughters. (laughs) Now watch next year, bad Michael have them. Yeah, Hello Kitty dice bags and dice. Yeah. And kid-sized T-shirts. And uh, and kid-sized T-shirts, too. Damn it. Do it, Mike. That's uh, right. That's right. But anyway, it's it just – I love talking to the dealers and stuff uh, and people trying to talk me into spending more money than I have. And, you know, that's always fun, isn't it? Mm. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, that's our bet, job. Bad Mike, if you're listening, Glenn is an entirely trustworthy person to leave in charge of your booth because I tried to get some, you know, podcast discounts when you left him in charge and he wouldn't give them to me. I keep saying, wait for Mike, wait for Mike. Okay, that that's me. I, All right. Number three is related to this, but I'll wait. Okay. <clears throat> and since Bad Mike isn't here, I'm going to use his slot here in the top five to mention some of the things that he wanted to mention. Namely, that all pretty much most of all the guests from this year have been signed on again for 2015 and some new ones. Including Steve Perrin, ooh, yeah. Jeff Grubb, oh, he's ooh. Liz Danforth, mm, wow, tools, yeah. artist Mark Nelson, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Ernie Gygax, checking out the competition, and Wolfgang Bohr. Oh, Bauer, yeah, Bauer. Okay, yeah, I was asking Bat Mike earlier. It's like, how do you pronounce his last name? Because, you know, is it Barr? Is it Bauer? What? You know, because we're all a little gun shy after we totally mangled Janelle Jakeway's name for the entire episode. And she said nothing until the end, you know, (laughs) and Bad Mike's going, you know, I'm not really sure either. I've most often heard it Barr, but I don't know. It's like, well, Well, okay. You know, (laughs) wasn't he the guy behind Cobalt Quarterly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Anyway, he and uh, Steve Winner did the D and D Next Adventure, Tyranny of Dragons. So, yeah, Woo-hoo. he's a great oh. guy. I worked with him on Gygax Magazine. He's fantastic. If okay. Grub's coming, I am going to bug him so much. If other people haven't about running a face for a Marvel game, <laughs> he's got to run a Marvel game. Mm-hmm. You have reached the end of episode ninety-three, side A. 
hear the rest of the podcast, flip over the record and play Side B.